0: Hi, this is Warren Buffenik, back with our podcast number four, Parkinson's Disease Sleep Disorders. I'd like to welcome Dr. Supermanian, Professor of Neurology and Neurobehavioral Science, Director and Central PA, APDA, American Parkinson's Disease Association, Informational Center and Movement Disorder Program from Penn State University. Welcome, doctor.
1: Thanks, Warren. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to speak again. Uh, what are we discussing today, Warren?
0: It's about the uh, Parkinson's sleep disorders. It's a very common issue. causes a lot of problems with people. And a uh, big thing about it, I'd like to get up front, is there's primary sleep disorders and secondary sleep disorders. Want to just briefly explain that to the audience?
1: Yes. So uh, sleep is a very big topic, and we probably won't be able to cover all of it in this podcast, but we will try to do it in several different aliquots. Um, so there are diseases that affect sleep. A common one is, for example, insomnia, inability to sleep, or excessive sleepiness, You know, sleeping too much. Uh, these are typically what we call primary sleep disorders. There are many others, for example, narcolepsy. It's a condition where you suddenly fall asleep without any kind of warning. Uh, There's also sleep paralysis, and there's uh, involuntary movements that happen during sleep as well. So sleep itself is a big branch of neurology and psychiatry, and there are many people who specialize in just treating people with sleep disorders. Um, Certainly, that's outside the scope of today's podcast, But what we thought might be interesting for this audience um, is to discuss the common problems that occur in the setting of Parkinson's disease. Does that sound like a good plan?
0: Yeah, sounds very good.
1: Okay. So let me start out by saying that uh, one of the commonest things that happens in Parkinson's disease, even in early stages of the disease, is the condition which is called RBD. REM behavioral disorder. So what is RBD or REM behavioral disorder? So uh, in normal people, healthy people who don't have any Parkinson's disease, uh, we have two stages of sleep, um, more or less. There are many stages of sleep, but the key ones are what we call REM sleep and non-REM sleep. So what is REM sleep? REM stands for rapid eye movements, R-E-M, rapid eye movements. So this is where your only part of your body that moves is your eyeballs. The eyeballs move while you're sleeping under your closed eyelid. And these movements are rapid. And that's why they're called rapid eye movements. If you, if you want to check out this, if you ever get a chance to watch a newborn sleeping, a little baby, newborn baby sleeping, uh, when it sleeps, if you watch carefully, you'll see that the eyeballs are moving under the eyelid, the closed eyelid. And this happens very frequently and it's normal. And the reason why you can see it is because the baby's eyelid muscles are very thin and the skin is thin. So because they're thin and um, sort of semi-transparent, you can actually see the eyeballs moving even when the baby is sleeping. Now in adults, you won't be able to see this because the eyes are closed, the eyelids are closed, so you won't be able to see the movement. Now, this phase of sleep called the REM sleep, REM sleep, occurs um, in between periods of non-REM sleep. So every night when we go to sleep, there's non-REM and then REM and then on-REM and REM like that. And typically, most adults have anywhere between two to three hours of REM sleep, sometimes less, sometimes more, uh, but the rest of it is non-REM sleep. Now, this is phases of sleep that happens when you're already asleep. Now, obviously, there are times before you fall asleep, so-called drowsiness, when you're just getting ready to sleep. There's a period where you're kind of not asleep, but trying to go to sleep kind of phase is also there. So during REM sleep, normally people are motionless. Normal, healthy people who don't have Parkinson's disease, when they are in REM sleep, they're completely immobile. They don't change their body position. They don't move their legs. They don't adjust their pillows. They don't curl up. They don't cuddle. They don't do anything. They're completely motionless. And this phase of motionless period is called atonia, A-T-O-N-I-A. So to summarize, normal sleep has got different phases. One is called REM sleep. The other one is called non-REM sleep. And during REM sleep, um, only thing that moves is the eyeballs, and we don't change our body position. We don't uh, do anything. We're just completely immobile, uh, and we don't uh, adjust our bed clothes or cuddle up or do anything of that time. Now, interestingly, almost all the dreaming occurs during REM sleep. So dreams occur during REM sleep, and in normal healthy people, during REM sleep, you dream, but you don't move. You don't act out your dreams. You don't talk. You don't, you don't do nothing. Now, things change when you get Parkinson's disease. And in Parkinson patients, unfortunately, the period of atonia, the lack of movement, gives way to movement. So people act out their dreams. And this typically takes the form of screaming, yelling, kicking, boxing, and the most commonest dream that Parkinson's patients have is a chasing dream where you're being chased by somebody and you're fighting them and you're trying to get away from them. So um, because of this uh, unusual problem, uh, many a times the bed partner, typically the spouse, gets kicked. Uh, sometimes they are punched or boxed uh, during sleep. And this is just the acting out of the dream. Um, And again, the person who's doing it has no idea they're doing it. It's in deep sleep and they just do the action. The other way it manifests is sometimes they just scream or yell. Sometimes they still scream so loud that the spouse reacts to it and then the patient is woken up. Uh, And then they are like, what happened? What just happened Sometimes they know the dream and they remember the dream, but sometimes they don't. But anyway, the long story short is that RBD, REM behavioral disorder, is a condition among Parkinson patients where they act out their dreams during REM sleep. And this can be quite problematic. Well, I already mentioned one of the problems. A, that they disturb the sleep of their spouse, and it can also cause injuries to the spouse, particularly if the spouse is not as physically strong, Um, and this characteristically happens in women spouses, uh, because a male uh, Parkinson patient is typically stronger, and if they punch box or something, it leaves the... Uh, female spouse or female bed partner, um, black and blue. And I typically see in a year um, eight to ten such incidences. Uh, it can be quite dangerous for the spouse. Uh, the spouse could be hurt from it. Um, so that's problem number one. Problem number two sometimes the movement that the Parkinson patient makes. Uh, while they are acting out their dreams, can be so strong that they fall out of the bed and hurt themselves. Um, One example of this is uh, I have a patient who uh, boxed the um, lamp that is right next to his bed. And in the process of uh, boxing the lamp, because as part of the dream, he thought that lamp was um, the person who was chasing. And he got hurt because his fingers... uh, broke and um, so on and so forth. Another instance where uh, the patient actually fell off the bed and got hurt because of that. Uh, Similar examples, so there are many examples of um, brand behavioral disorder causing injuries either to the patient or to the bed partner. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is that when you move, as we all know, you use up dopamine. Dopamine is the hormone that is deficient in Parkinson's disease. And when you move, you use dopamine. Now, in this case, because you're moving in sleep, and unbeknownst to you, you're moving a lot, you lose a lot of dopamine that you would normally use the following day. So if you do not treat REM behavioral disorder, the next day, you usually are fatigued. You don't seem like you have had good sleep because you've been moving around and uh, that loss of dopamine hurts you the following day. So that's the second problem. Third problem, and I'm sure by now you've guessed it, is that if you moved around and did all these things, then obviously your sleep was not restful. So you are also sleep deprived because of the RBD. And that also contributes to the subsequent day's performance, not only for movement, but it also affects other things. For example, fatigue, uh, depression, anxiety, uh, so on and so forth. So in summary, um, RBD, REM behavioral disorder, is a common problem. It occurs uh, in very good number of Parkinson's patients. Some estimates say up to 80% of patients have VD, uh, and that it can even precede the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. So um, I have patients who say, oh, doc, he has been doing this. Spouses are telling me when they're at the clinic, saying that he's been doing this for 10, 15 years uh, before he came down with Parkinson's disease. Or uh, another spouse says she has been talking in her sleep for since I knew her and I married her. So these type of um, comments are frequent, and the literature also supports the idea that Parkinson's um, RVD can precede, can be ahead of time of some of the symptoms of Parkinson, such as tremor and slowness of movement. Uh, And because it's common, it can also cause injuries to the patient or to the spouse. It can also make the medicines less effective the next day because you used up a lot of the dopamine overnight by moving. And finally, it also affects your quality of sleep. So it also, sleep deprives you. Warren, your thoughts on what I've said so far?
0: Yes, the only thing we didn't talk about is whether you recommend medications for that or whether you recommend adjusting the medications first that the patient may be taking at night, such as different antidepressants and uh, different things like like that or whether something like trazodone may want to be tried, pertazepine. What are your feelings on that? Is that somebody has that problem? Do you you give them medication first?
1: Right. So uh, that brings up the second part. I was uh, going over the condition first, and then we're going to talk about solutions. Obviously, uh, making sure that you have this condition and you recognize the condition uh, is the most important thing. So if you are talking in your sleep and you have Parkinson's disease and your spouse is saying that you're fighting somebody, uh, please bring this up to the your doctor, your Parkinson's doctor, and, and let them know that it's happening. So recognizing this is as part of, Parkinson's disease, and one of the non-motor features of Parkinson's disease is the first step towards treating it. Now, if that's happening, and it's happening a lot, then um, we ought to treat it. And the standard way in which we treat this is a multi-step process. The first step is to make sure that the patient is actually keeping good sleeping hours, what we call sleep hygiene. So we recommend that uh, patients typically go to sleep at the same time every night um, and try to keep it consistent. So, for example, if somebody chooses to go to sleep at 11 o'clock in the night, then try to keep it that every night you sleep around 11 and wake up roughly the same time. So let's say it's 37 o'clock, you're waking up, you wake up six thirty, seven o'clock every night and try not to vary it a lot. Um, and typically people like to sleep in during weekends and holidays and so on and so forth. Try to avoid that if you can avoid it. Try to consistently keep the same schedule every night. That helps regularize your sleep cycle, what we call the circadian rhythm, which is another term for how our wakefulness and sleep are occur cyclically in every day. So if you can normalize your circadian rhythm, Uh, That will help because that will avoid the RBD to some extent. Second thing is to have good sleep habits. Uh, What does that mean? That means that uh, before you go to sleep, uh, you don't do anything to keep yourself awake. For example, drink lots of coffee or withdraw from coffee uh, or caffeinated beverages, um, soda, Pepsi, Mountain Dew, etc., which have high, high amounts of caffeine, you don't want to consume them very late in the night, an hour or two before you go to sleep. So that could help. Third thing is that if you have difficulty going to sleep and you, you're laying in bed and doing lots of things in bed, like playing with the computer or playing with the phone, um, watching TV for very long periods of time, etc., and not sure what time you fell asleep, Those things should be avoided. Try to keep the bedroom as the place where you just go to sleep. And if you're not falling asleep, actually step out from the room and go watch television or read a book or do computer work somewhere else. And then come back to the bed only to go to sleep and try to avoid excess stimulus. So all these steps that we just talked about, uh, they help you get into what we call good sleep hygiene so doing having good sleep habits and maintaining them and consistently doing the same thing every day will avoid having too many problems with rbd to some degree now that's the first step step number one step number two is to make sure that you are taking your medications correctly so some medicines that we normally prescribe for parkinson's disease should not be taken late in the night. For example, there is a medicine called Celigeline, otherwise called Eltopro. Uh, it's a monoaminoxidase B inhibitor. We talked about that in another podcast a few days ago, uh, a few weeks ago. And th- that particular MAOB inhibitor should never be taken in the night. So if you are taking Celigeline right before you go to sleep, that's bad news. Why? Because this medicine's mm-hmm. breakdown product is an amphetamine and the amphetamines will keep you awake and will also cause you to have uh, more RBD. So if you are on celaginine, it should always be taken in the morning and at noon. Uh, it typically is prescribed as 5-milligram tablet. You take one in the morning and one at noon, but never take it in the night. Similarly, there are other long-acting drugs, for example, um, pramipexole and ropinirole. These are long-acting dopamine agonists If you take them late in the evening, they disturb sleep, and they also change your RBD or REM uh, sleep patterns. So if you can avoid taking them late in the night and taking it more during the morning, uh, then it would be better. They are long-acting dopamine agonists. Uh, Finally, um, as we discussed a few minutes ago, there are certain other medicines, like, for example, antidepressants that you might be taking, some of them are activating agents. Some of them are awakening agents. Again, there's a whole list of them, so I'm not going to give all the names of the drugs, but your doctor should be able to tell whether this is an activating antidepressant or whether it is a non-activating antidepressant. And we should be able to move that out or change it to a different drug to help you with that. So this is the second, second stage. So first stage is sleep hygiene. Second stage is optimizing your medication. Now, third stage, if you've done all this and you're still not sleeping well or you're still having chasing dreams and you're waking up your spouse or you're you're doing more rambunctious things, then it's time to treat it with more um, other medications. Now, as far as RBD treatments, unfortunately, there's not a lot of very good data on what to use. Um, A few things have been tried. One is melatonin. Melatonin is over-the-counter medication. Um, It is uh, available in different formulations. But um, there are some studies from Europe indicating that if you use melatonin up to uh, a certain dose, it can maybe do some benefit. But again, it's sort of a um, crapshoot in my opinion. Some people really get benefit. Others don't. But it's a relatively benign medicine, so if you want to try that, I usually encourage my patients to try melatonin first. And if they're successful with it, then that's great. If not, then we go on to the next uh, medication. The next medicine that we typically offer is a medicine called clonazepam or clonopin. Uh, Again, several studies have shown that it works. But the downside of clonazepam is that it can make you excessively sleepy. It can also cause cognitive problems. So, again, we have to be very careful, especially for young working people. Uh, Giving clonazepam at night is tricky. So I try to avoid it in young working people um, because we don't want them to have lingering side effects the next day because they have to go back to work and function well. Having said that, carefully titrated small doses can be helpful for RBD and can mitigate this, uh, mitigate this particular problem. Then beyond that, there are other medicines. There is a medicine called trazodone. Uh, trazodone is an antidepressant that's been tried, and we try that as well. There's another drug called mirtazapine, um, otherwise called Ramron. We also sometimes use that uh, to treat. Finally, there is also a medicine called Setequil, a quetiapine, which um, at low doses can be an effective uh, sedative, and it can sometimes be used uh, in Parkinson patients because it does not make Parkinson's worse. So it could be used as a uh, low-level antipsychotic agent that can block the uh, dreams as well. Um, but all these choices of medicines, um, every one of them has. Uh, pros and cons and it needs to be carefully weighed uh, with your doctor and the doctor should be uh, ordering these medicines and, and, and taking uh, note of how to do it. Um, I will take a short pause to ask Warren if he has any comments and um, then I'll come back to talk about uh, tests if any is needed and how do we go about doing tests for RBD. So, Warren, your thoughts on um, any of our discussions regarding treatment?
0: Yeah, with the uh, with the sleep disorders, I've noticed from talking to many people with Parkinson's that there's some confusion with with uh, sleep behavior and also mental sleep behavior and also hallucinations.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if you, you don't need to ask, ask it now. I'll just ask you a couple of questions. Maybe you can mm-hmm. decide whether you want to do this so over to another week. And the other one is the akathisia, the uh, inner restlessness.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: People, so they lay in bed with that inner restlessness and they, they can't get to sleep. But a lot of it's anxiety. Mm-hmm. And th- those two things, But it's been brought up many times in the groups. Right. So
1: uh, those are great points. Um, yes, the differentiation between hallucinations and RVD is an important one. Uh, I think we probably should do another podcast that details that in its fullest extent. But the short answer is that um, hallucinations happen when the patient is fully awake, and RBD never happens when a person is fully awake. So that's the key difference. But sometimes this transition from sleep to wakefulness is very tricky because sometimes patient is actively dreaming. They think they are actually awake when they're not. And the opposite is true. Sometimes in the middle of the night, you having, you're having awake and you're having a hallucination and you think you're in part of a dream. So this can be quite tricky and very difficult to tell the difference between um, severe RBD and hallucinations uh, can be very hard to differentiate. So it's true that's an important uh, aspect. But again, that's something we should probably go over in more detail on, uh, on how we can differentiate them. Now, the other question about akathisia, which is the inner restlessness, wanting to not sleep well and having to wake up and and get up and do things, um, as opposed to restless leg syndrome, which is another thing that people confuse with. Again, it's another uh, podcast. Probably we'll do it as a second edition at some point in the future, how to differentiate between the two. But it's an important point as well. Um, so I think those are good points. But let me move on and talk about tests that we need to do or not do in the case of RBD. So RBD is typically diagnosed clinically. In other words, you t- go talk to your doctor. doctor will ask you a whole bunch of questions, um, what time you go to sleep, when do you wake up, how many times you wake up. And typically, they'll ask your sleeping partner or spouse, hey, you know, have you noticed this and how often does he or she do these things? how often do they move, how often they talk, et cetera, et cetera. And so based on the input of what um, the doctor gets, they make the diagnosis of R2D. Now, if you don't have a spouse, you don't have a sleeping partner, you are a single person and you live around, and you just notice that in the morning you are bruised in different places or that you woke up multiple times in the night and you were aware that, You were in the middle of a dream and your bed looks like it's a war zone. You're moved around and your pillows are um, all over the place. Your bed sheets are all over the place, et cetera. And you probably have RBD. Now, in that case, uh, we can do a formal sleep study. Uh, This involves coming to a sleep lab and getting you hooked up to what we call an EEG, uh, and an EMG, And then we put a video on and watch you uh, while you're sleeping to see whether we can document the uh, RBD. Now, this is unfortunately an expensive test, and many times the insurance doesn't pay for it. So it's not an easy thing to do in most people. Uh, We have to fight the insurance company to get approvals. But sometimes we're successful, and sometimes it's necessary to do this, especially when there is a confusing episode where the history is not clear. Another cheap way of doing this is to um, just set up a home video camera, and this can be done with your home computer. These days, most devices like an iPad or iPhone or even an Android phone has cameras that are pretty good, and so you can set it up somewhere uh, at an angle where they can actually take a video of you sleeping, and you let it run all night. Now, you have to do a few things to make sure you get good quality recordings. You need to have the night light on so that there's a little bit of ambient light to be able to get good quality imaging. And you also need to have a sound um, recording capability. And finally, you should uh, disable any automatic turn off of the uh, computer or the device so that it actually records all night. there is also in many modern cameras what's called the night shot mode. So you can put the night shot mode, which gives you infrared image of your, of your movements and your sleep. Uh, now, the nice thing is that even though you have to record for six to eight hours, you don't have to sit and watch it for six to eight hours. You can put it in fast forward and you can easily see whether you're doing anything uh, that looks like RBD um, when you're doing home video recordings. So I often ask people to set this up if they are solo, they don't have a sleeping partner, or they don't have anybody who can actually observe um, them sleeping. This is also helpful if your spouse or partner is a very sound sleeper and never wakes up, even when you are rambunctious. So in that case, you know, having a video recording helps you determine whether you're doing this or not. Furthermore. Uh, spouses and sleeping partners may not be sensitive to all the movements that you make. They are only sensitive to the most severe ones that wake them, wake them up. But the smaller ones are sort of missed. So again, it's helpful to have uh, this type of information via home video recording. Um, sleep recording can also be done at home. Again, we have to go through insurance company to get this done. And finally, there are now new devices that are coming through, um, devices similar to exercise monitors that you put on your wrist, um, and also that can be put on iPhones and iPad apps that can be used for sleep monitoring. There are several of them that are on the internet. Um, People have experimented with that, but again, nothing has become super standard for this type of um, recording. But this is where technology is going in the future. um, You wouldn't have to rely on your spouse to tell you whether you're doing this or not. And you should have um, what we call uh, home devices that are easy to use, that can go on on telephones or computers that will um, either do recording wirelessly or wired uh, help us record these type of things. So um, I would like to sort of um, finish up here. And briefly summarize that we talked about Parkinson's disease-associated sleep disorder, specifically a REM behavioral disorder, otherwise called RBD. RBD is very common. It occurs in a vast majority of Parkinson's patients. Commonest version of RBD is a chasing dream that you act out. It can cause injury to the patient or to the spouse. It can be treated with good sleep hygiene, avoiding certain medicines that cause problems with RBD, and also, um, if needed, take medicines that are specifically required for it. And finally, testing is usually not needed, especially if you have a spouse who can observe and tell a good history to the doctor, or a sleeping partner who can give a good history, that's all that's needed. But sometimes you do have to do testing, and in those cases, uh, those special instances, we do order testing. So Warren, your thoughts?
0: Uh, something we touched on a teeny bit, but not. I think it's important. Is they've done studies on people that they swear that they had a good night's sleep, seven eight hours sleep, but they did studies the next morning and it shows that they didn't get a good night's sleep. And these are the people that fall asleep when they drive their car because they're they're convinced that they they did it, but uh, they they really didn't. And that's that's a major problem with. People don't—they're overconfidence with their ability to drive. Right.
1: Agreed. Um, so I think that that's an important point. Uh, we didn't touch upon many other things: excessive daytime sleepiness, medication side effects on sleep, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I'm certainly um, open to the idea of doing another podcast that we touch upon some of these other issues, um, and we'll go from there.
0: Thanks,
1: Doctor Zoom. Welcome. Take care. Bye. Bye.